Baptize us with your spirit, Lord, your cross on us be signed, that likewise in God's service we may perfect freedom find. Amen. In 2002, the new Roman Catholic Cathedral of Our Lady of the Angels opened in Los Angeles. If you haven't seen it, it's built in a deconstructivist style. It doesn't really look like a church. From the outside, it is completely devoid of any religious imagery at all. There is no stained glass. My friend Scott went to visit it before I did, and his description of it was, it is very beige. (laughs) Others said that it looked like a prison. People either loved it or hated it. So one Saturday, I went downtown and I didn't know what to expect. My first impression, though, was much like my friend's. It was very beige. But upon entering the nave, the first thing that I noticed were tapestries hanging all along the walls from the floor all the way to the ceiling, depicting the communion of saints. California artist John Nava was commissioned to design these tapestries with depictions of saints. And personally, from an artistic perspective, he wanted to create images that caused reactions. He wanted to create saints that, in his words, look just like me. I was fascinated by them. Who knew that St. John, the beloved disciple, really looked like Leonardo DiCaprio? (laughs) Who knew? It was the afternoon, and the sun was shining really bright, and so I really had no idea what was at the back on the western wall of the church. And so I walked my way towards the west, and I was struck by this sunlight, blinding light pouring in right on my face. And I kind of got to a point where I realized I couldn't walk anymore, and there was this huge baptismal font, like with constant streams of water right there in the middle of the church. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I looked up, and there it was. It was Jesus, a tapestry of Jesus lowering his face on bended knee in the humblest and most realistic of poses with John the Baptist pouring water over him. Something about the image was all too real, and I was completely overwhelmed and overcome by emotion. I actually still get chills even when I was writing this. The simplicity of all of it, the humility. The concept of Jesus as fully God and fully human needing baptism puzzles me. Even though Hebrew scriptures never use the word baptism at all, Jewish practice in the first century, especially among peoples in the desert, involved a ritual of washing, a ritual that we call baptism. John the Baptist, in this story, is calling people to repent, to let go of the things that have stood in their way of their full embrace of God's love. And he's inviting people to baptism so that they can re-emerge into the world as fully whole, as transformed, as renewed people. 
So, so why was Jesus baptized? Well, we know that all of Jesus' life events, his birth, his baptism, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, they all surprised his followers. Nothing ever played out as one would have expected. But Jesus recognized that at this moment, this public baptism would be a sign to all the world that the kingdom of God has truly come near. Baptism is Jesus' entry point into proclaiming that the power of God is now coming into the world. But it happens in the most humblest and simplest of ways. The Jesuit priest John Cavanaugh writes about this and says that Christ has come not only to reveal his divinity, but he has come to reveal us to ourselves. That Jesus has come into the world to reveal us to ourselves. Not only is he truly God, he's truly human, and he's truly human precisely because he does not sin. Kavanaugh keeps going and says, all our sin is nothing other than the rejection of the truth of our humanity. Let me repeat that. None that all our sin is nothing other than the rejection of the truth of our humanity. Jesus' utter acceptance of our humanity, his drinking of our cup fully, his sharing our wounded condition reverses our sinful rejection of our creatureliness. In other words, his, his sharing of our life and our way of living reverses our own sinful rejection of rejecting ourselves. His baptism, then, is at the heart of his mission to heal us, to bring us alive unto ourselves and unto God once again. One of my very favorite authors, Dallas Willard, who was a philosophy professor at the University of Southern California, affirms this by saying that Jesus took the opportunity for baptism as an opportunity to reveal himself more fully to the world, to launch his ministry, and to begin proclaiming God's love and unlimited grace and everlasting life for all. More specifically, he concludes his paragraph about this by writing, Through Jesus' baptism, the reign of God is now accessible to everyone. Review your plans for living and base your life on this remarkable opportunity. Baptism that St. John practiced was done for spiritual renewal. The baptism that Jesus offers us gives us nothing short of an opportunity to live. To live in the fullest way that any human being can experience. Christ's baptism calls us to the water to shed everything we don't like about our lives, to wash off any of that guilt we feel about how we've treated others or how others have treated us, to wash off shame that we feel about something, even to wash off all our failures too. This baptism, yes, is about restoration, but at its core, just like any presence of water is to a desert dweller, the baptism Jesus offers 
is all about life itself. Baptism gets rid of the stuff that stands in the way of us realizing that we fully belong, just like Jesus does, that we fully belong to God and to one another. So Dallas Willard recommends that we base our life on this remarkable new opportunity. That's one of the reasons why we'll renew our baptismal vows later on in the service today. It's a reminder to us that our baptism has already started giving us this opportunity of belonging, of connection, of wholeness that we all desperately seek in our lives. The remembrance of our own baptism gives us connections to the promise that Jesus tells all of his followers at the end of Matthew's gospel. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But it might also wake us up to the parts of us that still disconnect from time to time with life in the kingdom of God, with the people of God. Who are those around us who do not have love? What are the things in this created world that need your time and your attention? Where are relationships broken? And how can we be the agents, along with Jesus, to actually heal those relationships. These are the kinds of opportunities that baptism gives us. Baptism gives us the opportunity to see that life itself, the real life, is about love and reconciliation. Real life is about proclaiming God's liberation onto a world that seeks division rather than unity. It's about digging in and getting dirty, and going into those places in our world that need fixing because no one else has ever dared to go there. A life of baptism changes us forever. The opportunity baptism gives us is something no less than being a Christ-sanctioned healer of the world around us. Baptism launched Jesus' ministry into the public sphere. The invitation then that we have is to take the gift of baptism and to model the teachings and love of Jesus for others, but not by being preachy, but in a way that blesses, in a way that restores people, that heals people, that builds people up to let our love be building blocks to let our love be building blocks of peace and goodwill in a way that moves the entire world just one step closer to being more fully part of the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God to a lot of us seems really far off. We have a country that's fighting bitterly about politics. We have our own fellow Americans suffering indescribable hardship right now in Puerto Rico again. We've got environmental tragedies with fires and land and with people and animals that modern history doesn't even know how to record yet. We have soldiers in hostile places all over the world, refugees escaping uninhabitable homelands. We have kids who live within walking distance of this cathedral who don't have enough to eat on a daily basis. We have seniors who live by themselves in our very neighborhoods who are so alone they don't talk to anyone at all throughout the day. 
And I would bet that we have people right here and right now in our pews who could probably use a smile or some type of affirmation because life has dealt out a very difficult dose of bad luck. Jesus started his ministry in a world as easily chaotic as ours. He saw kids that were hungry, seniors and widows who were neglected. He saw victims of military attacks and experienced droughts and earthquakes and wildfires and saw and observed destitute foreigners and bitter disputes between members of the establishment. Jesus saw all of this. And through the waters of baptism, he claimed his identity and he began ministering to all of it. Through baptism, he proclaimed a type of healing and living that only the kingdom of God can bring. And by his baptism, he knew without a doubt, without a doubt, that the love he received from God wasn't ever going to end. And all of this is still available and it gets passed on to you once again today. Review your plans for living and base your life on this remarkable opportunity. Baptism is Jesus' entry point into proclaiming that the power of God has come into the world and this holy, loving, abundant healing power is ours for the taking. Remember your baptism. Claim your baptism. A remarkable new opportunity at real life awaits.